You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. This morning we kick off in just a two-week series or two-week series or message that we're calling Fervent that having this, this call for prayer and passion and pursuit, that God is calling us to a pursuit of His presence, to what it is that He wants to do in our lives. And we've already asked the question that how many believe that prayer is powerful? And more than raising your hand, here's the reality of what we believe is when we examine and look at our prayer life. We can't say we believe prayer is powerful if we are not engaged and operating in what that call is and participating in the prayer of calling to God and giving ourselves into alignment to line up with what his word would say this morning it is uh, without a doubt I, I want to hopefully not just have your permission but let you know today that I believe the word of God as every Sunday but this morning this morning specifically that God is going to go right to the heart he, he's going right to the heart of us and where we are today and I want to just encourage you it, it might sting a little bit it, it might have a little bit of a discomfort and I think it's important for us to allow the word sometimes to bring a discomfort it's important for us to allow the word to bring some things sometimes that that, that need to change. It's it's the uh, infamous words of every doctor or dentist. I just want you to know this is going to pinch a little, or this is going to hurt a little bit. It's the process in order for 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 healing or reconstruction or things to take place. It's going to hurt a little bit. Look at your neighbor this morning and say it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You just you, you might need to comfort a little bit. And uh, uh, here's here's what the Bible says that the word of God is a double-edged sword, dividing bone and marrow. It goes to the heart. It goes to the point. And I I want to I want to encourage us today to allow the Holy Spirit to do surgery in our hearts and in our lives today to set in us a healing and a work that God can do and what God can do alone. While I was in Alaska a couple weeks ago, we had our just a wonderful missions team that was there. Had a great time of ministry but while I was in Alaska one of the projects that I had we we, we went in and did work on a uh, parsonage and on the church building and uh, did some con- reconstruction remodeling and uh, simple things of that re- that nature we we preached in the services as well we had times of ministry but one day I had a project all by myself and the project was to crawl underneath the house of uh, this parsonage that was there and uh, to put up insulation underneath to get ready to help them get ready for winter and while I'm under there and I'm crawling under this house and and uh, it, having this time it's all by myself for a moment until Mike McKinney came later and and uh, helped uh, on the the uh, the other side of finishing it off but I'm laying there on my back looking up and just putting this insulation in and as I'm getting ready and all of this is taking place the I'm just praying to God and asking God and I'm I'm looking what's happening this house is being made ready for winter this house is being being positioned and made ready because the missionary told us, he said, that August comes and it's a rainy season. And right out of August, before August hardly ends, that rain turns into, into ice. And then the ice just gives way to snow. And so right from the end of August, which is about now, uh, this time that we're in, the rain hits and it turns into ice, it turns into snow. And he said the house has to be ready for all the snow that's about to come to Nome, Alaska. To which I say, thank you, Jesus, that you call me to Uniontown, Pennsylvania, because I don't want to live in Alaska. 
I, don't, I would not look forward to that. But while I'm laying there and doing this, this work and, and my spirit saying, God, what is it that we need to be ready for? What is it that you're preparing us and making us ready for? We've shared this before, church, that we are living in a day that time is changing. That, that the seasons and the culture that's around us is changing rapidly. There are things that have changed in a matter of months that in one time would have taken years to change. But in a matter of months, things are changing and it's becoming a rapid change because we know that we're living in the day that is near the return of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is going to come soon because that's what His Word says. And the Bible says all that we're experiencing, the things that are taking place, to us is not a surprise because the Bible said this would be the the events. But the Bible also says that in the last days many will fall away. It is my job this morning as pastor, as a, as a servant of God to stand before you today and say be alert and be aware because there's an enemy that wants to come and to cause a falling away but we must be people who are ready and positioning ourselves for whatever might come so that we can set ourselves apart and not be given into the snares of the enemy, not be given into the work of the enemy that would deceit and drag us away but that we would not only be ready ourselves but in the process we might snatch others as Jude tells us that we might snatch others from the fire that we would be ready for what it is that God wants to do for what it is that God is setting in motion I believe this is, this is at the heart of it God is positioning us you know in order for, for you to be prepared in order for us to experience properly what it is that's ahead of us we've got to be in the right position You've got to be in a proper position and, and this positioning of ourselves, making ourselves ready. And I've sensed in my heart, and I believe it's here, and many of you would agree with me, that we individually and we as a church, and not only, not only me, my, myself, and not only us as faith assembly, but I believe the body of Christ is being stretched. We're going through some stretching points. You're going through some personal things in your life. There's some of you, you're going through some personal struggles, and you're being stretched like you've never been stretched before. You're going through some, some things in, in your world and things that are going through. And my prayer for us is not that we would just go through the stretch and get back to where we used to be, but that we would go to the stretch and go to where we've never been before. That we would allow God to position us and put us at a place that we would not just go back to where we were. Because here's the problem in our pursuit of God sometimes. We are pursuing God in the moments of difficulty. And oftentimes what we do is let's run after God until it all gets better. And when it all gets better, we'll be done running. How many know that we don't intend that all the time, but that's the reality. If we had to be honest, and can I encourage us today, can we be honest? If we had to be honest with ourselves, it becomes a pursuit that would set us in motion. And that we say that when it all gets back together, but I want to shake from your mindset today to say my pursuit of God is not to get everything back to what I think and desire and what it ought to be. But my pursuit of God is for me to say, God, I want every day for there to be less of me so that there might be more of you. I want every day to learn how to live in the provision and how to live in the purpose that you've called me to so that I don't just live life according to the way Jason Lamer wants to live life but that I can live life for your glory and for your purpose that your kingdom might be accomplished in our lives not just to get things back to where they were but that God would move us where we've never been before this positioning when you go through the stretch I, I don't know about you but I don't like to stretch stretching is not a fun thing one of the most difficult things, I would hate it. You go to school and the, 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 the phys ed teacher would say, now touch your toes. That is not only uncomfortable, but impossible. It's not an easy thing to touch my toes. I, you might be able to touch your toes, but 
I can touch my toes a little differently, but it's not one of those. It becomes a discomfort. It becomes something that we don't, we don't like. Why? Because there are things that are stretching and moving in ways they haven't moved for a long time or like ever. There's a, there's a positioning There's a positioning that God is wanting to put us into when we stretch or being put into a position. And some of us are going through a season of uncomfortable stretching. And I want to say to you today that you're going through a season of uncomfortable stretching because you, and and I want you to know this today, it's not God's doing. Your uncomfortable stretch that you're going through right now is not God's doing. Yes, God allows, but God is not doing it. God has not caused that uncomfortable season that might be in your life. God is not causing that. God is allowing that, but here's what causes it. It causes us that when we're at a place, we have to stretch to go back to where we're supposed to be. And the reason we have to stretch to go back to where we're supposed to be is because we have spent too much time where we weren't supposed to be. Because of us being where we're not supposed to be, it causes a stretch. And we have two options here today. We can either go through the stretch or we can break. We can go through the stretch or we can allow a breaking and a, and a destruction. But how many know that we serve a God who is able to put, make all things whole? He's able to make and renew all things, that he can put things back to where they need to be. When we position ourselves appropriately, God pours out his spirit powerfully. Let me say that again. When we position ourselves appropriately, God will pour out his spirit powerfully. When we position ourselves appropriately, listen what it says, just a couple scriptures, of course, that, that would remind us of this. The Bible says in, in 2 Chronicles, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. What is he saying? He says, if we will humble ourselves, if we will position ourselves in humility, that God will forgive our sins, he'll heal our land, he'll meet us at that place. When we position ourselves appropriately, God will pour out his spirit powerfully. And sometimes we're asking God to do something something without us being willing to take a step this morning i want to share this message and and just simply title it with fervency something's got to give that we're in a place where something's got to give there's there's got to be something that'll change and something that's got to give way jesus of course said to his disciples he said wait in jerusalem until you receive the power of the holy spirit yes i've told you to go into all the world but don't go until you wait how many know waiting is a positioning you might be going through something today and you say i've been waiting This is taking time. I'm waiting on God. And as you're waiting, it's not idle motion. It's God allowing you to be positioned at just the right place. Because here's what I had to learn what waiting meant. Because waiting is not just an idleness that we sit and we just twiddle our thumbs and we wait. But God showed me the picture. It says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And that's not a picture of idle motion and sitting still. The picture the Lord gave me was a a waiter going to the table with 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 a towel draped over his arm walking up to the king's table and saying how can I serve you how can I wait on you today how can I serve what you've called me what drink can I pour out for you like Paul said I'm a drink offering poured out to the Lord that as we wait upon the Lord we take the towel of a servant and we walk to the king's table and we say how can I serve you today God how can I serve you what can you what is it you want poured out of my life today because when I make it a point to serve God how many know he begins to position me he begins to put put my heart in a place where it needs to be that when I come we talked about that last week about the heart of service that when we do that the Lord will position us but this morning be in position I want you to take a look in James chapter 5 if you have your Bibles this morning something's got to give James chapter 5 the Bible says this in verse 16 I just want to look at this one verse 
It says in verse 16, he says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails or produces much. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person is mighty. It's effective. He says to us this, this word here that when we, when we come to God and we come to a place of fervency, if we're going to describe what the positioning is in our life, here's the description. The word is fervent. That if we're going to be positioned properly and ready for God, it becomes fervent. Let me just give you a couple things about fervent. Number one, fervent means to be workable. Something that is productive. Something that is fervent, it means to work. Can I give you the Greek word for fervent? If you look it up in the Bible or look it up in, in the, uh, the Greek context, and here's the Greek word for fervent energeo which is where we get the english word energy to be fervent is to have an energy about us to have an energy that is emphasized and focused let me ask you how much energy is it in your pursuit of god how much energy do you have in your pursuit of god jody and i went on a trip uh, not too long ago and we flew into an area and we rented a car and it was just the two of us and so we got the cheapest car we could get we jumped into this small car and when we got into this car we went out on the freeway i hit the gas and i said honey i think i'm driving on a lawnmower I think this is a this is a mower, a lawn tractor that they've converted in some way because we're everybody's passing us by. I gave that everything I had. There wasn't much fervency in that vehicle. There wasn't a lot of energy. There wasn't a lot of a, a lot of drive or something that would move that car. But hey, it was cheap and it got us there eventually. We showed up and it worked. But this this pursuit of our lives. Let me ask you, the vehicle that's getting you in the pursuit of God. Some of us are driving around in a beater. There's nothing wrong with a beater. I drove a beater when I was in college. I loved my beater. And everybody else in my dorm that didn't have a car loved my beater too. I drove this, it's this, this whole aspect of, of driving along and it's something that we don't have much value. We just use it. We don't value it much. It's just used when we need it. Let me ask you, is your prayer life a beater? It just becomes, ah, it's just there. It, we just use it when we need it. It's just for convenience. It's just to get from point A to point B. There's not value in it. There's not something of worth. There's not something of meaning to it. We just use it when we need it. Oh, it got dented again. It got a dent again. Who cares? No big deal. Oh, it's got a scratch. It does that all the time. Just throw dirt in the back. It doesn't matter. We can treat sometimes our pursuit and, and what it is that we're going after God in, in, in some ways not treating it or, or recognizing that it has value. But to have fervency is to have a great energy. How's your prayer life? How is it your pursuit of what God is desiring? I want a prayer life that is full of energy that produces and gives way to the source of power. Prayer is effective. And something happens when we pray. Let me tell you why prayer is effective. Prayer is effective because it puts us in line with God's perspective. Prayer is effective because it puts us in line with God's perspective. Let me say that again. Prayer is effective because it puts us in line with God's perspective. Prayer itself is not the power source. Prayer is the vehicle to bring me in line with the power source. Realize this, because when we make prayer the act of what we do, I'll pray about it. 
Well, if you're not connected to the source who answers your prayer, you can pray and go through all the motions. That's not going to affect anything. Prayer is the vehicle that brings you in line with the power source. Your prayer is effective not because your prayer is powerful, but your prayer is the vehicle to bring you in line with the one who is the power source. It is effective because it puts you in proper perspective. It brings you to a place that puts you in line with God. Prayer is powerful because it doesn't just change things around you. It first changes you. It positions you and I to a place where we need to be in Christ. It positions you and I to a place where we need to have the proper perspective it's effective for that reason prayer is not the pursuit of provision and here's another thing that we sometimes use the 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 beater car it's when we need something we don't have anything else well well there's no other vehicle here so we'll just use that one it becomes that car that's last resort how many know what i'm talking about and we let that be the be the hear me this morning i don't have anything against a beater car i don't have anything with that cheaper insurance there's not car payments And most of you, if you agree with me, that's a smart way to go. Jaron, you can drive the beater all you want, buddy. It can be yours. You can have it. Listen, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I'm talking about our prayer life, that we use it just for convenience. And sometimes here's the other thing that we miss as well. We make prayer a pursuit of our provisions. We're looking for provisions. And what we do is we allow that sometimes to be more focused on provisions and forget that it's about being in the presence of God. I don't wake up and pray because I need something from God. I wake up and pray because I don't just need from Him. I need Him. As we've sung already this morning, I don't, I don't need blessings. I just need you. I don't need blessings. I need you. I don't need just blessings from your hand. I need your presence because how many know that in the presence of God, when I'm in the presence of God, I'll have everything that I'll, that I'll need. What is your prayer life? What is the pursuit? here? Would you do me a favor this morning? Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, and I want to read this scripture here. If you're taking notes this morning, just from this scripture, he says, confess your sins. Confess your sins and pray for one another. These three things, here's what I want to challenge us in this morning. Be honest, be whole, and be holy. Be honest, be whole, be holy. He says, confess your sins one to another to pray for one another. I want you to know the reason he says confess your sins is it's speaking of honesty there. He's saying, be real. That, that's the other thing of, of, of something that's fervent. It means to be real, to be intense. And when something gets intense, how many realize it's at a place where it's being real? It's hard to be intense when you have just nominal, average conversation. But the moment you start dealing with heart issues, it gets real. When you just have the, so, how's the flowers growing in your backyard? So, how's life going? It becomes regular conversation. But the moment you start asking questions like, how's your heart with God? How's the passion of your, the pursuit of your heart and the passions of your heart? Where are you in your relationship with God? Every single one of us, sometimes that can be an intimidating question. And I hope it does in some level intimidate, some level. Because I hope all of us are here today and would recognize and say, it's somewhere but it sure could be somewhere else. It's at a place, but it could be. And by God's grace, it, there can be more, that there can be something else that, can, be, that, that can, can follow through more that God would have for us. If we had to be honest, he said, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I want you to see this word healed is not just physical healing. It literally means to be made whole through salvation. To be made whole. 
that you would, that you would be healed in, in whatever area, whatever aspect. How many would say this morning, I need a healing? How many would say today, I need a healing? Not, not, maybe it's physical, whatever it might be, but that you would be healed, that you, could, you would be whole. And then he reminds us as well that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word righteousness, that we need to be holy. The Bible tells us that without righteousness, no man can see God. You're not going to see God do great things in your life if you're not walking in a path of holiness. Be honest, be whole, be holy. Let me read this scripture out of Acts chapter 5. Listen to what it says here. And here's a story that I want to wrap this up with today. There's a man named Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and wife. The Bible says in Verse 1 of Acts chapter 5, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Here's why it says also, because Barnabas had just done this. There was another man who just a couple verses before had sold his property and gave all of his money for the poor. He did a valiant thing. He did a great thing. And the Bible then says into the next chapter, it says, And now there was another man who also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge or consent, listen to this, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, you see what's happening here. Ananias and Sapphira, they say, hey, that guy that sold money or sold property, gave it to the church, they made a big deal out of that. I'd like some prestige, and so let's do that too, but... Let's not give all the money. Let's just give that much and we'll keep some back. And here's what they decided to do. They were in agreement. Be careful of the company that you surround yourself with. It's good when a husband and wife can agree on something. It's bad when a husband and wife is not agreeing with the Holy Spirit. It's good when we can agree together on something, but if we're not agreeing together in the Holy Spirit, it's not anything that's going to produce. And here he says, they held back part of the money and brought the rest and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings but to God now listen what happens Ananias doesn't even have a chance to defend himself listen what happens in verse 5 the Bible says when Ananias heard this he fell down and died a great fear seized all who heard what had happened no kidding how many think that would have an effect and what happened in church today well this guy got up and lied about the Holy Spirit in front of the Holy Spirit and he just fell dead <laughs> wow I mean people are going to run the other direction or get right with God in that moment how many know that would have an effect This is what happens. It it says that he died. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Here's what I want you to see. He, 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 this, this picture here of what we have, Ananias and Sapphira, to much, as much as we can tell, Ananias would have been a part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. 
Ananias would have been in the upper room and would have been a part of the 120 who received the power of the Holy Spirit because it is in quick order. In order for him to be at a place where he would come to the apostles and have this, this, this that's around him, he was a part of what God was doing from the beginning. He was a part of this. And as he's a part of it from the beginning, he, he comes along and something gets in his heart. He has an encounter with God. In fact, here's his name, Ananias, and it means God has graciously provided for. It says God's grace has provided his name is Ananias how many would recognize today and say God's grace has provided for you for you and I that God's grace has provided for us and his wife his wife Sapphire her name of course means beauty it's simply of course the the treasure the gem but her name means beauty and here it is what God has brought together and what God was doing in their hearts something fell apart because they got off track they were not in proper position and in right place they weren't in the place that they were supposed to be they looked more at provision When they looked at God, it was what they could get from God, and they forgot that it's not about what you can get from God. Prayer and the the pursuit of God isn't what we get from God. It puts us in the presence of God. It's getting to God. That when we come into His presence, that's where the power is. And they wanted provision. They wanted these things from from, uh, recognition from the men. Why did they hide the money? I, I would imagine that they probably hid the money because they said, you know what? I'm not so sure we trust that this is going to work. I'm not so sure this will accomplish or, or that we can, we can take care of a nest egg. I'm not so sure that the Lord will provide. We need, to, we, we need to save some back for ourselves. Here's what it is, this profession. They wanted to make a profession. They wanted people. They wanted to profess to everybody something that was not true. But here's the picture that concerns me. is they came to God in worship. And the Bible says that when they came, they held something back. Now this is where I wanted to get real. There's a concern to me that we can come to God and we can come and worship and we can come before Him and we can go through church, we can do what we're doing, but all the while we're holding something back. We're saying, God, I'm going to give you my life, but I'm going to hold on to this control. God, I'm coming to honor and coming to worship you, but I'm holding on to this. And instead of being whole, we're being in a portion, just a portion. And we're not giving God everything that we have. But if we're going to be fervent, it comes to a place of saying, God, you can have everything that it is. To confess is, is more about who has you. When we want to make a profession, it's important for us to make a profession of faith. But if we make a profession of faith, and all we do is make a profession of faith, we're telling people what we have, what we have. And it doesn't matter what you have. What matters is who has you. Who is it that has you? Are you confessing? Listen what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 it says nevertheless God's solid foundation stands firm sealed with this inscription the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness that word confesses also also exchanged with belongs that when you make a confession what you're saying is who you belong to you're confessing your need and confessing your 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 purpose of belonging to God that you're being honest you're being real that one of the things that we, we need, of course, is that we are honest and real in the fact that we are desperate and in need of God, that we hold on, and sometimes instead of giving God everything, we're holding something back. I want to challenge you and just ask you right there, what is it that you're holding back? 
What is it that you've said to God? You say, God, I want to trust you with all this, but I'm still justifying that I'm holding this back. God, I want to move forward in trusting you and believing you for your your work to be accomplished, but I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to whatever it is that you're holding back. Whatever it is that that, that we might be holding on to and not letting go of, and we're distorting the beauty that God wants, wants to take place in our lives, and we're not allowing ourselves to be honest, to be whole, to be real, something's got to give. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and this morning to help us close today. And here's a question for us is something has to give. It just simply means something has to change. I would imagine there's a lot of us that need healing in our lives this morning. There would a lot of us that need healing. And I'm sensing this stretching Because some of it's a discontent in our hearts. Some of it's, and things aren't the way I want them to be. Things aren't the way that I want them to be in life. It's not the way that I desire it to be in life. This marriage isn't going the way I wanted it to go. This stuff at work and People aren't responding the way I wanted them to respond. It's not happening the way I want it to happen. And we can be discontent, somehow look and say, God, this isn't working. But when I come to God and being vulnerable before the Lord and saying, God, I need to surrender my life to you because I've been holding something back. You know what you do to hold, what you use to hold something back? It's called justification. We tend to justify why we're right. We tend to justify why it's okay that we do what we do. We tend to justify that my opinion's all right for this reason. And some of us have this desire to walk in the wholeness of God, but we're holding on to justification. But true justification happens whenever I let go of that and I become justified in who Christ is. Not in my own thoughts and ideas. We're holding on and we're justifying whatever it is that we're holding back. Just like Ananias and Sapphira. They justified that they were were holding the money back. I don't know how they did it, but somehow in their mind, they justified it and it became okay to them. It became okay that this is This is what we're going to do. There's a farmer who had crops all the time, a couple animals, but got into a a new opportunity, and that was to have sheep. And he had never had sheep before. And so he built a pen for these sheep, and he bought them. And the gentleman that he bought the sheep from said, hey, I've got a deal as well. He said, you can have these goats for free. He gave him three goats for free. The farmer, of course, took the goats with the sheep and he put them in the same pen and he had them there and he had the area just laid out, had the boundaries and everything in place. The farmer found out, though, that every day he would come out, he came out the first day and he recognizes that the sheep were out outside of the, the fence and couldn't figure it out. Somehow there was a breach there, so he repairs it and comes back. The next day it's broken down again. He finally learns that it's the goats that are doing it. The goats keep going out and the goats keep going to this one patch, this area, and they just keep breaking through and going to this patch. And so the farmer looks at it and he says, well, if that's what they want, 
then I'll just expand the fence to that area. I'll just move it to that area. That way they'll quit getting out. He puts the fence to the area that they were in and wouldn't you know, they broke through and ate through and all of a sudden kept going further. He's frustrated with the whole thing and he says, I'll just give them more space. Maybe it's too much area with the sheep and the goats together so he expands it more. It keeps happening. Finally, he looks at it and he says, there's just roads here. I've got other neighbors that are around. I've got enough property. I'll just let the main gate that we have, I'll just give them run of everything all over the farm. They can just have run of it. We've got a main gate. And so I'll just let them run wherever they want to go. Instead of keeping them out of other areas, just let them go. He gets a call from the farmer down the road and he says, hey, you might want to come down here. And when he comes down there, he finds just a gruesome picture and a wolf had come through and completely slaughtered the entire herd sheep goats gone he kept expanding and kept moving trying to find the place that would work for the sheep but what he should have done was taken the goats out because if the goats would have been gone those sheep would have stayed right in that place. The Bible says, Jesus, he says that in the last days, the Son of Man, when he returns, he'll separate the sheep from the goats. He'll separate those who had a fervency and those who just had a pretend. It's because I can't tell sheep from goats. You might be able to. You might have your way of how you can tell. I don't know how to tell them apart but God knows how to tell God knows how to tell here today maybe there's some goats that have gotten into your pasture what happened to Ananias whenever Peter confronted him the Bible says that Ananias fell dead and that young men came and wrapped him up and buried him this is going to be a strong point it's, some of you might say well I expected that some of you might be here today and you say, man, Jason, that just sounds too hard, too harsh. But I want to say to you today that there's an enemy looking to destroy and he's ravaging your home. He's ravaging your body. He's bringing unhealth to your family. He's bringing unhealth to your body. He's bringing unhealth to, to, to circumstances and things that are around you. And you've allowed some things to come in. And you've allowed your 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 borders unfortunately instead of focusing and just keeping the borders to where I'm just going to pursue God you've opened up the door to things you should not have opened the door to you've gone and allowed things you've justified things in your home and you're holding on to things and you're doing it with justification you've justified where you are God wants us today to say don't hide behind your justification Here's what I want to ask you to do today. Would you allow the old man to die and let the young man bury him? Would you allow the old person that's inside of you to die completely and let the young man bury him? So that it's no longer... Why Some of us look at this and say, man, that was harsh that God would allow Ananias to die and that, that would happen. Can I tell you why he had to die? Because the church was fresh and new and young. 
and God knew or what God was saying was there's not anybody that's going to deceive and build my, that's going to come about and my kingdom is not going to be built on any deception. I'm going to deal with the deception. I'm going to unroot and I'm going to deal with this because I don't want my glory and my kingdom to be built on anything that is of man, that is of flesh. God's saying, I have, I'm making a statement here and I'm getting rid of the deceit. And how many know fear came into everybody? Everybody said, whoa. We've got fear of other things, but the fear that we need to have is not fear of, oh, we need to make more room for the, the goats and the sheep. No, the fear that we've got is, God, I've got to get rid of the goats because they're going to ruin things. I've been off track. My pursuit of God. I'm calling Faith Assembly to repentance today. As your pastor, I'm calling this church and this body to repentance. I'm asking you that if you are a family member of this church, that if you are a part of this family, that you would repent with me today before God. That we in humility would repent before God and say, God, forgive us. Forgive us that we have allowed and justified things and we've missed the heart of being honest. We've missed completely surrendering ourselves and we give you part of our lives. God, forgive us. Forgive us, God, that we've not made it a pursuit of holiness. We've made it a pursuit of what we like, maybe opinion. But I'm standing before you today as pastor. You say, well, Jason, repenting sounds so harsh. So does dying because you've withheld something from the Lord. I'm not afraid to repent. You say, well, if you're repenting, then you're acknowledging that you're a sinner. What I'm acknowledging is that, oh God, unless you move upon your people, we have nothing. Church, I have prayed to God like never before. Give me wisdom to lead this great people. People ask me, say, Jason, how can I pray for you? Would you just pray that God would give me wisdom? Would you pray that God would give me wisdom? Would you pray that God would give me wisdom? Why? Because I'm saying to God, God, I don't want to just lead into a good experience. I want us to lead. And when I say lead, this isn't about Jason. This isn't about Jason. But Jason realizes that God has appointed me for a time such as this. He has called me. He has positioned me. He has called me to a place And he's not positioned me to play patty cake with anybody. He's positioned me to say, rise up, church of God, and let's be what God has called us to be. Not to just have faults and issues and get back to where it all feels better that we can talk about, well, we did it like this when there was a day we used to do this. But know that we might rise up and say, we are the body of Christ today, that we're living according to God's word, that we're saying to God, we want to be honest, we want to be whole, and we want to walk in holiness after God. I'm pursuing God with all of my heart. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to go through the motions. I want to have a fervency about me, something in my heart that is intense and is real. And I say to God, God, I don't want to play the games of walking after you just to make people think I'm serving you. I want to serve you no matter who's looking, no matter who's around, that I'm going to stand before you, God, and I want a fervency in my heart to say, God, I'm putting you above everything else because you might be here today and you might be Anna Ananias and Sapphire and you said well we've decided we're going to give God this but we're holding this back don't 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 I'm going to trust God with this but I'm going to hold on and I'm justifying holding on to this
This morning, I'm coming to the altar and I'm saying to God on behalf of this church, I don't want you to get a picture here to think, oh, we're repenting because we've got something so far-fetched and, and we've got great issues. No. I'm of the nature where I want to deal with things before they become an issue. I'm of the nature and the heartbeat. Why wait for it to become an issue to deal with it then? That's called crisis mode. Why put things on life support when you could honor and make decisions to say, I can walk in a way so I don't have to get onto life support? Why not put things in place? That's what I'm saying to us today, church. I'm putting us on call to say, let's position ourselves. Say, Lord, here I am. I repent for not giving you everything. I repent for justifying my conveniences, my attitude, my arrogance, my opinions. I come to you today, God. I stand before you and you alone. Saying, I just want to wholeheartedly walk after you. That's my prayer. I count it a privilege to be a pastor. As a pastor, I'm called to lead. So I'm leading away to this altar this morning. And as we close, however you want to respond, but I'm coming to this altar this morning. I'm saying, God, I give you my heart all over again. God, I give you my future all over again. God, I give you my family all over again. God, I give you my ministry all over again. Because God, unless your spirit moves, we can talk about good stuff. But all we'll do is talk. God, unless your spirit moves, unless you deal with the heart, listen, my words aren't good enough to deal with your heart issues because my words aren't even good enough to deal with my heart issues. Only the spirit of God. justification this morning. God, I don't want to form up godliness. I need your power. Jesus, I don't want just emotions. As we call on your name, would you make Father, be the head of faithless like I've never hungered for you before, God. 
I'm standing today to tell you, church, I have loved Jesus, but I want to love Jesus more. I'm standing before you today to say, I've heard his voice, but I want to hear him louder. I'm standing before you today saying, I have followed Jesus, but I want to walk, not in the vicinity of his will, I want to walk in the power of his spirit. That every place I go, that should the Lord will, and there be a need, that even the shadow that we cast would bring healing to people. That even where we go, that God would bring healing and life. This is our desire. I want to lead us in this prayer this morning. I know that the Holy Spirit is drawing, and, and I listen, I believe this is a turning point, and here's why this is a turning point. Because he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. He said, I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. Husband, let's lead our homes. Let's let go of whatever justifications we've held on to. In Jesus' name. Wives, mothers, fathers. Here's what's in my heart. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. Would you pray this with me? And if you would, maybe just lift your hands to the Lord right now, if you, if you would, and just make this your prayer with me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Do your work. I give you everything. Holding nothing back. Take my heart, my home, my future, my desires. Make me to line up with your heart. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' name, let your work be done in my home, in my marriage, in my spouse, in my family, in my neighborhood, in this church. We declare that Satan has no place and will not prevail, but that the glory of the Lord will be established over my life, over my family, and over this church, and over Fayette County, to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Come on, just begin to give Him praise this morning. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.